KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Good morning, you're very welcome along to this Thursday morning, the 14th of September. Brian Redmond here with you till 12. If you're out on the roads, certainly around North Kilkenny, Carlo area, it's a bit pea-soupy out there. Lots of fog about, so do bear that in mind. Take it handy. Um, we don't want to see or hear of any more incidents out there. Do be careful. Our free phone number is 1800 90 96 96 and you can text or WhatsApp us on our Dinners Ready text and WhatsApp line 083 306 9696. Ethnic Work is ready and waiting to answer your emails also. KCLR live at KCLR 96fm.com. I hope you've had a good start to the morning. Still no winner on the Mystery Voice with John Walsh. We'll have to go on to tomorrow. Five hundred euros, I think he said. It's worth tomorrow. Do tune in to John from seven until ten, and maybe somebody will be able to pick up a nice little start to their Friday morning and the weekend by picking up that money. Coming up on the show this morning, while we continue our chats around the the fact that it's Palliative Care Week, Karen Charnley. She's the director of the All-Ireland Institute of Hospice and Palliative Care and she'll be here with us around about a quarter past ten. Helen Tighe, principal of Skull Aragol and Ballyhale, well, working together across the technological generations is how I've put it, but they tell us why they've teamed up with Mullinavat Active Retirement Group. We continue our wedding series. We'll also be catching up with Carlo Triathlon Club, who are in Italy. And being Thursday, we're going to rechristen Thursday and Neary Day, because she joins us every Thursday. And Neary from Ryland House Cookery is here around about 25 to 12. So do stay tuned to hear what Anne has to say. Now, Carlo's proposed extra train service has, of course, been widely welcomed. And Barry Kenny from Irish Rail joins us on the line now to tell us what we can look forward to. Good morning, Barry. Morning, Brian. So, um, announcements that uh, possible additions to the train service coming to Carlo. Uh, when will they be starting, potentially, and uh, what will they look like? Yeah, well, I suppose every year in December uh, we will have a new timetable in place. That's the date, believe it or not, across Europe that uh, uh, timetables are generally changed. And the process that we have is uh, when we're proposing changes, we publish a draft timetable first and put them out to public consultation. So the new timetable will come in on the 10th of December, but we did publish uh, yesterday the draft timetable. And as you say, on a number of routes we do have additional services, and one of those is between Houston and Carlo, so uh, it'll be an additional train from uh, Dublin's Houston station at 12.20 to Carlo, and additional service from Carlo to Houston at quarter past three in the afternoon. And that brings us now to, it was 10 trains uh, on a weekday basis uh, from Houston to Carlo, and 11 uh, from Carlo to Houston. Obviously, the Dublin Waterford line serves Carlo, but we do have a number of services uh, that operate to and from Carlo as well, which is probably at the, at the outer limits of what's an ever-growing commuter belt. And, I mean, it's been widely welcomed. Members of Carlo Chamber and, indeed, some of our local TDs, Jennifer Manen O'Connor, also saying that it's a great move. But has this move been driven by current demand or future expected demand? A little bit of both, uh, being honest with you, Brian. But what we've seen, I suppose, obviously, uh, uh, post-COVID, one of the things we're looking at is how have the travel patterns changed? And uh, our intercity and our longer distance uh, journeys are basically, we're seeing more demand now than we did before COVID. So that's, I suppose, where we're seeing, therefore, in this timetable change, where we're increasing services. So as well as Carlo, uh, we have an extra service to Cork, we have an extra service to to Westport uh, and Athlone. 
loan as well. Um, and uh, it, it, it is then also obviously to kind of give the capacity for more people to change as well. So uh, people who would board, for example, Waterford trains, you know, trains that come from Waterford or, uh, and, and come through Kilkenny uh, at Carlow frequently, they can be very busy. So we uh, do have the opportunity, I suppose, within our existing fleet, and it's all down to your resources. Obviously, you need a physical train, you need a driver, uh, and you need the infrastructure uh, to deliver it. Uh, we've seen the opportunity to put in this additional service, ease a bit of pressure on the water trains uh, either side of them, uh, and then obviously allow more people to switch and, and give the frequency as well that will enable people to switch. Because if we have a more frequent service uh, and there's a less of a wait between trains, people will travel with us a little bit more casually than they would otherwise, if you know what I mean, rather than having to plan uh, where there's kind of two hour gaps between train services. And uh, there's talk of obviously public consultation around this. Is this being decided? And confirmed or is it pending the results of those public consultations? It is pending the results of the public consultation and now generally uh, I mean I, 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 I you know I think people can can, can uh, uh, be fairly assured that we will have this additional service but the purpose of the public consultation obviously is for people to identify for example if we've changed a stopping pattern on a service to see if that's something that impacts people and, and needs to change if there are other changes that we haven't included people would like to see to say well look we'd love seeing an extra service but would it be possible to operate at this time rather than that time and we do review and every year out of public consultation there are changes to the direct draft but, but as I say you know we'd be assured that we will certainly have that additional service that you know changes would, would, would likely to be minor and if there are changes that are proposed in the public consultation by uh, customers or indeed people that want to be customers uh, that can't be delivered right now we will retain those with the NTA for future timetable reviews because we're getting 41 new carriages uh, they're entering so they're in the country they're being tested at the moment uh, they are entering service from this December onwards over the next few months after that and that'll give us more capacity uh, and more flexibility and then again we're taking delivery of our Dart Plus fleet in 2024 entering service in 2025 and while the Dart Plus fleet will operate in the existing Dart and also on the Drada line on the Drada line it's going to free up other trains, intercity and commuter trains that we can use elsewhere on the network. So we do actually, we're in a, in a, in a fortunate position in that we've got, you know, I mean, in total, the 41 offer, uh, entering service that we have in the country and 185 carriages, then they'll be entering service over a two-year period uh, from 2025 onwards, uh, allows us to plan service expansion. So this is a bit, last year we had some additional services in the timetable, this year we have some as well, and between new trains and infrastructure works, it's a, it's a, it's a great time because there's a lot of expansion and services ahead. And in terms of that public consultation, Barry, what form will it take and how can people get involved? It's an online consultation, so very simple. Go to irishrail.ie. You'll see the uh, the, the display on the homepage uh, in terms of the timetable consultation, and there's a simple form uh, there. The full details of the timetable are there. So if you have an existing train, uh, if you uh, you want to make sure, right, is it still going at the same time as always? Has the stopping pattern changed? Have a look at it there. Uh, and simply provide your feedback to us. We will collate all that, we'll review it with the NTA, and then we'll finalise the timetable and uh, and advise people with, with, with plenty of notice before that timetable change on the 10th of December. 
Excellent. Barry Kenny from Irish Rail. Thanks for your time this morning. Good news that uh, further increases to the train services uh, coming to serve the Carlow region. Um, are you somebody who gets on the train? Do you think you know this addition will be enough? Or maybe you think that they should go a little bit further and add even more times. Do let me know. 083 306 9696. I only think I've been on that train route once. It was middle of the day without the pressure of having to get to a work appointment. But maybe, maybe you find it still unsuitable for your needs. Do let me know. 083 306 9696. Now, all week long, um, it's Palliative Care Week. We've been talking about this in a number of different ways to a number of different people. But Karen Charlie is the director of the Ireland Institute of Hospice and Palliative Care. And she joins us now to talk about this even more. Good morning, uh, Karen. How are you keeping today? I'm very well, thank you. And Palliative Care Week is obviously a very important week to highlight the value and, and, and what palliative care brings to the families of those suffering. How does the All Ireland Institute and Hospice um, get involved in palliative care and what sort of services does it offer? So we're a membership organisation and we've 28 members who are hospices, universities, health and social care organisations and charities from the across the island of Ireland who work together to improve the experience of palliative care uh, across the island. So we're very much a supporting organisation of our members and our members uh, deliver palliative care services, uh, they do research, deliver education, uh, you know, they're the, the people who are uh, supporting uh, palliative care. I mean, it's now in its 10th year and the team for this year is living for today, planning for tomorrow. That's very much at the centre of everything palliative, really, isn't it? Yeah, we chose the theme because we want to emphasise how palliative care enables people to have a good quality of life in the here and now, whilst also supporting people to make plans regarding their future, including discussing where they'd like to be cared for. And Karen, in terms of your members, what are the biggest challenges facing them in terms of delivering this service day to day? the biggest challenge and one of well one of the challenges should I say and that's why we have palliative care week is that misconceptions about palliative care persist which mean that some people who could benefit are less willing to seek it potentially missing out on improved quality of life so and that's why this public campaign is so important so we're looking to uh, support people to learn about palliative care so if the need arises they'll be more likely to seek it we're also looking to break down some of the myths around palliative care so palliative care isn't just about end of life you know the last days and weeks palliative care is for all ages uh, from children onwards and um, palliative care isn't just for advanced cancer it's for advanced heart lung renal and uh, disease and neurological conditions and that palliative care can be delivered in a wide range of settings for you know in hospices but also in uh, people's homes in nursing homes and in hospital too and um, I suppose maybe you also asked me what other issues and I suppose it's the growing demand and the growing need for palliative care services is um, something that um, services and our members are working to uh, support on because as uh, the population ages uh, there's growing demand uh, for palliative care. So palliative care is not just necessarily for people who might be coming to the end of their life as a result of cancer. What type of uh, help and support do you offer to people who may want to seek help from a palliative care team who are maybe not facing uh, end of life treatment? 
Yeah, and what it is is that uh, if people have advanced conditions, they may be require the care, they may benefit, should I say, uh, from the care of specialist palliative care. Um, I suppose we'd encourage them, you know, to support them with symptom management and palliative care supports people's physical, social, emotional and spiritual needs. So it's providing that holistic care around them. What we'd um, I'd really encourage your listeners to look at our website, which is thepalliativehub.com. That's thepalliativehub.com. We've got lots of information and resources and links to further information and resources, including from our member organisations. But also, if they think they could benefit from palliative care, I'd encourage them to talk to their health professionals, to talk to their GP, to talk to their hospital consultants and to seek the referral. So that website again, palliativehub.com. What type of information will people find on there, Karen? Well, we've got all the resources for this year's campaign. So we've got lots of leaflets and we've got leaflets and posters. We've also got videos of people's palliative care experiences. Um, We'd also encourage people to look on social media. Also, that website links to our palliative, uh, our wider palliative hub, where we've got lots of information and resources. Say, for example, we've got the uh, palliative hub to children and young people, which provides lots of information for parents and families of children with life-limiting conditions. We've also got the palliative hub adults, which has lots of information uh, for um, adults, um, including for people with life limitations and their families and carers. And it provides information from diagnosis and prognosis onwards uh, and like details a wide range of services available but also um, further guidance documents and further supports that are available and Karen earlier in the week we um, spoke to somebody who had formerly been a palliative care nurse and we got an amazing amount of text messages complimenting that individual and indeed similar individuals and team members um, who offer such fabulous care to people who are at the end of life. Um, In terms of supporting the practitioners that are out there, do we need to do more in that regard as well or is there more that can be done? I think, uh, as with many areas, there's always more that the that can be done but there are a wide um, there are a wide range of education courses for example that are, that are out there to support people who maybe are interested in moving into working within palliative care uh, you know from short courses through to postgraduate and master's programs through to PhD programs as well so there's a wide range of um, but there's always more supports that can be provided as well well, it's great to see that uh, palliative care is getting uh, such defo- such a focus shone on it. And um, interesting because I wasn't aware of the fact that palliative care was open to such a wide range of people. Karen Charney, Director of the Ireland Institute of Hospice and Palliative, thank you very much for your time this morning. And that website, again, if you do want to check out what they have to offer, it's thepalliativehub.com. Come, do go and check it out. 20 past 10 this morning. We're going to take a short break, after which we've got some music coming your way. I've um, been around the office this morning and the vibe seemed to be that a bit of Oasis wouldn't go amiss. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweat pa- and into style. See fairgreen.ie. KCL Yes, you're very welcome back. It's um, Thursday morning, the 14th of September. Brian Redmond with you until 12. People are sending me guesses for the Mystery Voice. Wrong show. You have to send them to John Walsh. Slip inside the eye of your mind. Don't you know you might find what you say? There they are. 
the boys from Oasis back in the day when they actually could tolerate one another enough to be in the same room and make some great music. We've got more great music coming for you a little bit later on, but now working across the generations, the technological generations, principal of Skull Eregal and Bally Hale, Helen McTighe joins us on the show this morning. Good morning, Helen. Good morning, Brian. Did you enjoy that little bit of Oasis when we were having a yap there in the background? It, 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 it brought me back to my own youth, in fact, listening to the Oasis. Fantastic to hear. That Listen, you're, you're back in school now. You're not looking back in anger at a summer that wasn't as, <laughs> as good as we hoped it would be, are you? Not at all. Listen, we're we're delighted actually with the weather at the moment. We had a lovely we had a lovely day in Scalariga last Friday when the sun was beating down and an ice cream van came to the school sponsored by the Parents Association as part of our their and our ongoing commitment to well being in the school. So the students were really happy last Friday. I mean, you've got a lot going on at this time of year in schools, getting everybody back in and settled. And, and you've gone even one further because you've teamed up with Mullinavat Active Retirement Group. What are you up to? So, yeah, we have a lovely collaboration with Mullinavata Active Retirement Group taking place at the moment. It's a little intergenerational project that we're doing where the students in Skull Aragal facilitate tailored tech- digital technology classes with members of our local active retirement community. So every Friday we have members of Mullinavata Active Retirement, so elderly people, coming into the school uh, where they receive computer classes. Now, it's digital technology because it, it could be, it's tailored to meet their needs. So it could be um, using their phone, their smartphone. It could be using a laptop or an iPad, depending on what they would like to use. And I suppose their own students then are mirroring what they see happening in their own classrooms where our teachers um, give them individual care and attention and teach them according to their own needs and they're doing the same now with the elderly people. So it could be a case that um, uh, an elderly lady wants to figure out how to read the newspaper online or how, how to download photos from WhatsApp onto a phone and our students are there to help them. So it's a wonderful um, initiative that we just started this year uh, in collaboration with Mullivat Active Retirement Group and I believe we're booked up so far until March um, you know, we're, we're delighted with it. I know it's tremendous. And there's a great need, clearly, in the community. And I suppose the wonderful thing about this project is both sides are benefiting. You can just see it. It's just so heartening for me to, to witness because our students are absolutely delighted um, and are buzzing after the class. They're really enthusiastic and they love the connection with the elderly. And the elderly are equally um, happy and delighted. And there's a great sense of fun in the classroom as well. So we're delighted to have elderly people in our classrooms. I love stuff like this because it's good on so many levels. I mean, the teaching of the elderly people to be able to do those little skills that they want to learn, that's almost secondary because, you know, they're getting out, they're getting a bit of interaction, they're mixing with different age groups. And I'm talking about the young people when I say that as much as I am, the elderly people that are coming in or the older people that are coming in. And I also think maybe the children will come out of there with a little bit more respect for their teachers because they might understand a little bit better how (laughs) difficult it can be sometimes to teach. Well, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. I suppose, look, this, this project kind of came out of uh, something that we started last year. Um, you know, we're a KCETB school, so we have the core values of care, community, respect, and so on. So we actually had, I suppose, coming, you know, post-COVID, we had a, a lovely initiative last year um, where we had a grandparents' day. And it was, again, really heartening. I know these happen in primary schools all the time. But to have it in a secondary school where you have teenage boys and girls so proud to show their grandparents around 
the school. And in fact, you know, this is a school that has, is in the heart of that community. It has been for many years. So you have grandparents who were, you know, the first cohort of students in the school. Their own children came, and now their, their, their grandchildren are coming to the school as well. And look, the teachers and the students, I have to say, it's a, it's a small school which, with so much to offer. Um, teachers and students get on really, really well in the school, if you can believe that. We have 200 students, and it's a very happy school. But more than that, actually, more than being a happy school, it's a, it's a school that caters for, for every need. So, as I mentioned, into attention, we have lovely, we have small class sizes, and we make sure that students get that individual attention, that they're happy, they feel happy and safe in the school because once they feel happy and safe, then they can learn. And we have students with a wide range of abilities and uh, all with fantastic potential. Um, and I think because of those small class sizes, we can really cater to that potential. We've, you know, I suppose sometimes in a larger school, students might feel a bit lost and that's never an issue in Scholargal at all. Um, and as a result, in fact, we have a large cohort now of our, our current six-year students who are on target to do extremely well in their leading search. And I'd say many will receive 600 points in, in their search. So we're, we're excited about this school. And actually, tonight we have our open evening in the school. So it's a brilliant opportunity for people to come along and, and, and see our school. And uh, even though we're in Badahale, we have students who come from Kilkenny because they want the smaller school experience. They want the rural school experience. And we have uh, students coming from all over uh, County Kilkenny to Scholarville and Ballahale. So open night tonight, booked up until March already. Um, obviously, exactly. in a secondary school, March, April, May, very, very busy time of the year with exams. But could you see a need for the demand to be there to continue this right the way through till the end of the school year? Oh, for sure. And listen, this is going to become part now of our transition year programme going forward because of the, just the value that there is um, both for the young, the youth and the elderly. It's that connection, you know, that's really, really important and that sense of community where uh, it's just lovely to see because, okay, the, 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 the first goal is, is figuring out how to use the digital technology. But as you said, there's so many other benefits to it. It's the chat, it's the friendly word, um, it is the, the, there's that valuable, like, valuable experience that leaves both sides so happy and we're delighted like we really do uh, care about our community and care about those core values of equality and excellence in education and we see it here where we have the elderly and it's just lovely to have in a school building to have all generations in the in the classroom together we're delighted to, and, and we'll definitely be part of our program and I suppose it's, it's very we started off with one of that active retirement group which have over 200 members and they run a large variety of activities and projects it's a, a fantastic group itself but we're open to elderly from all areas we're, we're, we're very open to, to having anybody to just get in touch with the school you, you will find us on social media you find our website or just get in touch by phone uh, to the school as well we're delighted to have anyone involved and if you're not sure how to use social media, well, maybe just give the give them a call because they'll teach you how to use social media when you, when you actually pop along. Helen, it sounds like a fabulous initiative. Congratulations to you, all the team, all the students, everybody attending. And you know what I'd love? Maybe in a few weeks' time when the first group have passed through, it'd be lovely yes. to get some of the transition year students and some of the people who've been up there learning in studio and Brilliant. we can have a chat about yes. how they're all getting on. 
we'll certainly enjoy that because you'll, you'll see they're having a great time and they're learning those. So we'd love to do that, Brian. Thanks a million. Excellent. Helen McToig, Principal of School Errigal and Ballyhale. Doesn't that sound like a great little initiative? And if you're interested in getting involved, um, maybe you'd like to just uh, learn a little bit more um, about you know the life of transition year students as well as picking up a bit about technology along the way. Do get in contact with them. We'll be back with you after a very, very short break, after which we'll continue our series looking at all things weddings. It's wedding month here on KCLR. KCLR Live, with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. Yeah, the KCLR wedding fair is coming your way on the 28th of September, and we continue our series today at the Quirk. Talks to a celebrant. You can't get married without somebody there to do the job. Cody from Amazing Ceremonies Ireland. Noel is a wedding celebrant and solemn. I can't say the word Noel. A solemnizer. <laughs> solemnizer is the word. Yeah. Solemnizer. It's one I always uh, trip myself up over. You're very welcome to the program. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on. Yes, my name is Noel Cody, and I'm a, a wedding celebrant and solemnizer, which means that I can legally marry people on the day of the wedding. I'm registered with the HSC, Register of Solemnizers. What a lovely job. Oh, a brilliant job. It really is because you get to see people obviously in love and what's not to love about love and fairness. But also you see people who are quite nervous and anxious and even though couples may have been together for years, when they're standing at the top of the aisle and their beloved is waiting to come in, there's always an element of nervousness there. So I'm there just to relax them and it takes a couple of deep breaths and to get into the mood of enjoying the day because the most important thing about the wedding ceremony is it's the start of their most perfect day and the wedding ceremony should be joyous it should tell their story it should involve their guests if that's what the couple want and um, it should be fun so I think for me to get that at the end of a ceremony when people come up to me and say oh that was wonderful and you know you read told the story of the couple or uh, it was good fun I think if I've get that response I've done a good job So you obviously get to know couples really well then in the run up to their big day Yeah because we we have a consultation several consultations in fact but obviously get to know the content of their family and if they're previously married if they've children I love to involve children in the ceremony particularly and also to involve parents and grandparents and extended family you know in the actual ceremony they're actually doing something in the ceremony I they get a mention in the ceremony and then I get to hear their love story, met, how they proposed, the ups and downs of a relationship. And a couple of lines can tell a very dramatic story. And at the end of it all, then they get the proposal. And the proposals are always funny. Some of them are not planned at all and they work out very well. And some people spend a lot of time planning the proposal. And sometimes it works out perfectly and sometimes it's not so perfect. But the end result is always perfect when the other partners did yes. You mentioned their children and that old adage of uh, never work with children and animals certainly doesn't apply to modern weddings, does it? I know it doesn't, doesn't it? Now children are children and the one thing we all know and I have grandchildren now is that if you restrict a child from doing something they will screw their heads off or do the exact opposite. So <laughs> my philosophy during the wedding ceremony is let the children do what they want to do. If they want to see if the mum and dad, the bride and groom, or the, the the couple getting married, let them do that. If they want to run, the rambling around, sometimes they with the ribbons if we're having ribbons in the ceremony. One thing I keep a little eye on is to make sure they don't go near the kids. That's about the only thing. But 
And then they're happy. That, you know, then they, they're occupied and they're happy and it doesn't cause stress to the parents because the last thing I want is, is a couple to looking around stressed and to see where a child has gone or if a child is screaming and some, someone is in the best of intentions trying to hold the child to stop them rambling around. That distracts everybody and it doesn't, doesn't lead for a nice, relaxing ceremony. They, they should be part of the ceremony. They're part of the family. I think that that's one thing I really love about the move away from kind of traditional, maybe religious ceremonies is that sense of inclusion. Everybody's welcome. It's a little bit more informal, I feel. Yeah, it is. It is more informal because the ceremonies that I would do are not within the structure of uh, this has to be done here, that has to be done there. When I talk to a couple and I ask them what they they want for, for the wedding ceremony and most couples actually don't know what they want, but they're very clear about what they don't want. So we start from that premise, you know, when they say, well, we don't want to have the room at the top of the room, for example. That's fine. Then we start working on what they want. And the ceremony has to be what the couple want, not what the parents want, not what granny wants, not what I want. So it's tailor-made for people? It's tailor-made for people and so that they're comfortable. Some people, for example, the last thing the world they want to do would be to write their own vows and say their own vows. The last thing they want to do is to read their vows from a piece of paper. In that case, I would say to them, I will say the vows and you repeat them after me, line for line. And you can see the stress draining out of their faces, particularly the grooms, I'd have to say. You know, they don't want the centre of attention. They don't want a microphone stuck under their faces. The, the intimate, the very intimate part of the ceremony. I try to take the, take the anxiety out of a situation that may not have been in front of a crowd before. All their pals are down there, their parents, and it's, it's quite daunting, in fact for them. So I would say to them, we'll do what makes you comfortable. That must offer a huge sense of reassurance. Noelle, for couples who are coming along to our wedding showcase evening in the Medieval Mile Museum, what would you be advising them to have prepared for a chat with you? I suppose what they should have is what the concept of a wedding is. Now, there's a lot of anxiety out there about civil ceremonies, religious ceremonies, secular ceremonies. Can we have a ceremony here? Can we have a ceremony in our back garden? There are rules around weddings, which is the law. For example, they have to give three months' notice to the HSE. Everybody, regardless of who's marrying, every couple has to give the HSE three months' notice before the date of the wedding, at least. So that's the first thing. I would get onto the HSE, register your intent to marry. And the HSE people, particularly those in Carl Kenny here, are just wonderful. They're so helpful. Get your appointment in the diary for the HSC and that's your, your register of intent. That generates your, your marriage licence. Very important. I cannot marry somebody on the day unless they have what's called the green folder. And in that green folder are there legal papers which we all sign on the day of the wedding. After that then the questions, you know, would be I don't think I at this stage I think I probably heard most of them. But things like you can't get married in your back garden, for example, because under the law, you must get married in a public place. You must get married in a place that has an address and a structure on the premises. So I couldn't marry somebody in the back garden because it's not a public place. Those kind of questions, again, civil ceremonies are only done by the HSC staff, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. I'm an interfaith minister, which means I am respectful to all religions and none. Because every ceremony that I would do is different. Yeah. Because it's it's focused on the couple. And what I might say for a wedding for one couple would totally be unsuitable for another couple, for example. Noel, any uh, funny stories to share with us or maybe what's the most outlandish request you've gotten? Have you been asked to skydive? <laughs> <laughs> no hope. That's a firm no. 
Um, <laughs> a lot of people would ask me, for example, to, would, would they invite me to the meal after the wedding ceremony? And I would always say, no, thank you very much. I'm not part of the family. It's your day. No, I don't go to the meal after a wedding ceremony. And that, that's, that's quite traditional there, isn't it? You would have your, no, your parish priest at the top table. Yeah, and I am not that. All right, listen, Noel, for couples who want to find out a little bit of information about you or have a look at your frequently asked questions um, just so that they can prepare ahead of the wedding showcase evening, where can they find your information? Well, I, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Amazing Ceremonies Ireland and um, I can be contacted on 87 and I'll take a call um, anytime I can and if I can't take the call I will get back to somebody and the couples they don't need to have to book me to call me I will quite happily give uh, um, uh, advice and information and yeah because sometimes you have to click with with your celebrant as well I think that's important that you know they would have a chance to get a chat with me and then I would say to them now go off and think about it and then get back to me All right, Noel, listen, thank you so much for your time this morning. Look forward to meeting you on the 28th. I'm so looking forward to this. It'll be lovely there. And the Medieval Mile will be just a beautiful spot. Beautiful setting. Yeah, an absolutely beautiful setting. And we've so many great local contributors lined up. So it's going to be a fantastic evening for our future brides and grooms, grooms and grooms, brides and brides across Kilkenny and Carlow. Yeah, very own Ethel Quirk talking to Noel. Cody, a celebrant who'll be at that wedding fair coming up on the 28th of September. Brides and brides, grooms and grooms, grooms and brides and everybody else. More than welcome to come along and enjoy that evening. And registration is free. You can check it out on all our social pages and be in with a chance of winning a €1,000 holiday voucher as well. Um, Another interesting story I came across today. You know how we're all very much aware, particularly in this country, with the royal family being just across the water, how organisations like the BBC have royal correspondence. You know, in this country, it's more like RT having... Midlands correspondence, or, or perhaps sometimes no correspondence at all if they can't afford to buy them. But, you know, the whole act of those um, parts of society that are big enough to have their own correspondent. Well, listen to this, because USA Today are hiring, and it might be the job for you. They're hiring for an official Taylor Swift correspondent. Taylor Swift is now so big that the media organisation posted the listing for this once-in-a-lifetime Taylor Swift reporter. Um, on Tuesday, in partnership with their publication in The Tennessean. Yeah, and I said that right. It's another newspaper owned in Nashville. Surprise, surprise by them. USA Today is seeking an experienced video forward journalist to capture the music, culture and impact of Taylor Swift. Wouldn't that be a bit boring, maybe, just covering Taylor Swift all day, every day? But she is that big. And here she is with Cruel Summer. Dream high in the quiet of the night, you know that I caught it. Bad, bad boy, shiny toy with a price, you know that I bought it. Killing Cruel Summer from Taylor Swift, and if you're interested in reporting on Taylor Swift 24 7, get in contact with USA today. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with really, really positive news about a local uh, culinary expert after this. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. KCLR.
Yes, you're very welcome back. 083-306-9696. Now, good news, because Keith Boyle um, and uh, Keith, obviously, at the Bridge House Restaurant, got a fantastic write-up in the Irish Times over the last couple of days, suggesting that he is a serious contender for a Michelin star. He's busy, flat out, every weekend, serving... I don't know, if you call pieces of art, I wouldn't call it food necessarily. Well, it is food, obviously. It's fantastic, really, really tasty, really enjoyable to eat, but so much more than that. And the Irish Times suggesting that they may be on for a Michelin star at some point in the future. They talk about how they pass the napkin test. Obviously, fantastic service, fantastic food. And we've had Keith on the show a couple of times. I'm sure he'll be on again soon enough. But we just want to ask on our thoughts, our regards and our compliments now that the Irish Times have jumped on the bandwagon of how good food here is in Kilkenny. Uh, about time. And uh, the pressure is on, Keith. Will you get that star? We'll have to wait and see and find out. Only time will tell. Here's Rihanna with Calvin Harris because they found love. Rihanna and Calvin Harris with We Found Love. It's coming up on the News at 11. We'll be back in a moment. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Thanks, Ashing. Um, I don't know if you heard the story I mentioned from USA Today earlier on about the Taylor Swift correspondent. (laughs) Amazing. I mean, we're used to them having royal correspondents in different parts of the world, or Middle Eastern correspondents, or or to have Midlands correspondents. Taylor Swift, is she big enough to justify having her own correspondent? I don't know. I mean, look, if you do it for one person, you've got to do it with a few of the others. Like, are they going to have, like, Harry Styles correspondents Mm. now and all this? I don't know. How big do you have to be to have your own correspondent I wonder apparently Taylor Swift big Taylor Swift how big is Taylor Swift though and I don't mean physically she's massive like I've seen her once live before and she was very good now I didn't buy the tickets I was brought along so like she wouldn't necessarily be my first choice to go see but then we saw how quickly all her tickets sold out recently so she definitely is a big name at the moment yeah when you say she wouldn't necessarily be your first choice uh, what about in terms of her ethos her approach to life I mean she is an artist but as many of them do these and they've always done I suppose even going back to the likes of John Lennon the Beatles they always stood for something do you need your artists to stand for something or just stand up there and sing I mean I feel like because they have such a good like platform they might as well use it for some good as well and you know the amount of money they're getting they might as well again (laughs) do some good with it you know not just look after themselves so I think yeah if you have that platform you might as well stand for something I'm going to be checking your PC in a few moments to make sure you're not doing out a CV to send over to USA today to become a Taylor Swift correspondent Ashley we'll talk to you again at 12 KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. 083-306-9696. That's the Dinner's Ready text and WhatsApp line. You can call us 1800 90 96 96. I just thought, actually, uh, if you think Taylor Swift is big enough to have her own correspondent, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, let us know. Give us a call. We might even talk to you on air at some point during the show. Um, or who do you think is big enough? Is there anybody 
in Ireland big enough to have their own correspondent, Niall Horan maybe, you too, I'm sure if you two were ever going to have a correspondent, they would have done by now. I don't know, Marty Morrissey, is he big enough to have his own correspondent? I don't know, but if you think um, either Taylor Swift should have her own correspondent or shouldn't, or you know somebody who should, give us a call. If you want to call us in, 1800 90 96 96, or you can just text or WhatsApp us 083 306 9696 on our Dinners Ready text and WhatsApp line. Now, I'm delighted this morning because we're about to go over to one of my favourite places in the world because the ancient fishing village of Cervia um, hosts the first Made in Italy Ironman Challenge. It's a spectacular race that takes place along the coastal area of Emilia Romana. Now, Emilia Romana is a province. It's it's up there, um, not too far from places like Bologna that you may have heard. And it's flanked by the Adriatic Sea, swimming, biking, running all the way through that historic scenery around Emilia Romana. And Carlo Triathlon Club are out there. And Laura Dillon from the club joins us now this morning. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, how are you? I'm brilliant. Um, I know you don't know what I remember Chervia being looking like, but is Chervia looking as fantastic as I remember it looking like? The, the sun is shining and it's absolutely glorious here. White sandy beaches as far as the eye can see. It's a fantastic spot, isn't it? It is. It's an absolutely beautiful spot. And beautiful. Um, in terms of the food, have you had a chance, Lara, to get involved and, and, and try some of the local authentic Italian stuff? Uh, well, I, I, we've had pizza, pasta coming out our ears, so I guess I can say yes. <laughs> it's great for carb loading, I have to say, before a race. It's an ideal spot, really, isn't it? Oh, absolutely perfect. Listen, 20 of you out there from from, from the, the Carlo Triathlon Club, um, give us a bit of a flavour yeah. as to how the trip has gone so far. So, so far, five of us have arrived with our families. So, five athletes and then our families and, and friends for support. There's another uh, plane load, bus load of 15 athletes and their families and friends coming today. So we're all staying in the same hotel and apartments together. So the crack is absolutely mighty. We're having a great time. Uh, the sun is shining, as I said, and oh, it's been wonderful. We've been going to restaurants, sitting in a jacuzzi. You'd think we were here for a holiday, not a race at all. <laughs> well, I suppose if you if you if you were to sort of say that all the food we've been having, as you said, is carb loading, and the likes of jacuzzis <laughs> and stuff like that, that's just getting the body prepped. I mean, very serious Absolutely. athletes taking part here. Oh, we can justify it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I mean, traveling for sport is not just something that you've done this weekend because your your own husband Brian, he's very much involved in the Paralympic movement as well and we spoke to Brian earlier on in the year um, are you guys ever at home? Uh, on occasion yeah 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 <laughs> we, we were lucky we were very lucky we went to Australia in April for the it's the World Transplant Games he attended um, so they were wonderful and hopefully we'll go to Portugal next year to take on the European games for him so it's all very exciting sure it's a great excuse for a holiday isn't it? Yeah, absolutely at the same time having some fun and is, um, is Brian there with you at the moment? He's beside me. I'll pop you on to him. Oh, right? go on. Yeah, we'll have a chat with Brian. Kidoki. Hello. Brian Dignan, any excuse to jump on a plane, eh? A plane, a bike, uh, Etna Hall will get me, <laughs> will get me there, as they say. <laughs> well, listen, when is the race, the actual triathlon itself, taking uh, starting? Has it started already, or have you just sort no, of booked a five-day trip a around a one-day event? Well, the full Ironman is starting um, on Saturday morning. And then the 70.3 and then the 51.50, which is the Olympic distance, is starting on Sunday. So it's over two days. And are you taking part in that? I ain't doing the 70.3. Well, I'm, I'm going to attempt to do the 70.3 on the Sunday. So, 
<laughs> it'll be it'll be my, my my biggest accomplishment so far if I can if I can get through it. And Brian, have you have you ever done one of that distance before? No, well, I took up triathlon with the expectation of never doing anything more than a sprint, and that kind of escalated to an Olympic distance. And now I was out supporting Lara last year at this, and then as soon as we came home, then we booked it on the spur of a moment so I was kind of committed then so <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I suppose you could sprint for all 73k of it it'll <laughs> be a challenge but listen I definitely uh, wouldn't make it through it no I know not, I mean, in this, not in this heat I know. what's the temperature like that's what I was going to ask it's probably oh, quite it's hot 28, 28, it's about 28 degrees at the moment but it feels a lot hotter like so, and, and have you been it's out? It's going to be a challenge. Have you been out to check the route for the cycle? Because I know a lot of Amelia Roman is 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 quite mountainous now. I don't know whether you're staying by the coast area, but is the cycle part of it going to be challenging? Uh, well, the bulk of it is actually quite flat. Um, there is one incline on it which lasts for about a kilometre and a half to two kilometres. Gradual incline now. Um, um, I don't think it's any worse than Ballinabranda Hill now, but. Um, <laughs> there is a little bite in it right but um but on a whole over the 90 kilometers i'd be doing now i think obviously two 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 and a half kilometers is effort yeah but um but then then the downside of that, on the backside of that hill then is, is a nice downhill downhill from oh, it, yeah. so it's not all uphill uh, as they the, say the, re- the reward the reward will be great Okay, and you've got, as I said, 20 people in the group out there all um, taking part. All competing, All yep. different sorts of levels of experience, presumably, as well. Helen and Sharon, Absolutely. I believe, are out there also as well. Are they nearby or are they carb-loading at the moment? No, they're they're here, yeah. Sharon's, Sharon's itching there to get on to say hello. Well, yeah. go on, stick Sharon on, we'll say hello to her. Sharon. Sharon. Yeah, clear? she's just here now. Yeah, Sharon, 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 he wants you. Sharon. Hi there. Buongiorno, Sharon. How are you? Buongiorno. Come stai? Tutto bene? How are you? I'm good. That's about basically what I just said to you in Italian as well. Um, are you enjoying? Oh, <laughs> are you enjoying yes, everything that Amelia Romana has to offer? Yes, we are. It's fab here. Fab here. Very. Oh, it's great. Weather's good. Just registered, so we're all ready to rock. When's the race actually taking place that you're taking part in? We're Saturday morning. Okay, so are, are all of the yeah. groups Saturday morning? I know there's a couple of different... No, no. No, so I think there's about five of us on Saturday morning. There's five. Then doing this, the shorter one, the 50.51, and then the rest are doing the 70.1, which is a half Ironman, and that's on Sunday as well. And, and we also have kids registered in the Iron Kids on Friday night. Excellent. So the, the 20 people that are in the group isn't just all adults. It's a, it's a huge mix of people. Um, are you all sort of rooming together in the one hotel? or is, What's the party like? Yeah, I think the majority of us are in the one hotel. Uh, parties, um, yeah, it's a little relaxed at the minute, but we're, uh, we'll be raring to go once we're all finished across the line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you done an Ironman before or have you done a triathlon before? I've done triathlons and I did the half Ironman last year, but this is my first long one. Long yeah, distance. yeah, yeah. Um, are you feeling nervous? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Confident and nervous all at the one time. And was it logistically difficult to get all the gear over there? I mean, we were speaking to the Carlo Dragon Boat ladies last week who were away competing. Um, I think they were in Italy actually somewhere as well. Um, now, obviously, a Dragon Boat, you can't get onto a plane, but did you have to bring your own bicycles and stuff like that with you? Yeah, so, yeah, I think the majority of us, I think all of us actually did take our own bikes. So, 
um, you can rent a company to to take the bike from Carlo out here. You can also rent a bike out here. I'm not sure is anybody doing that. Yeah. Um, but the majority of us took bikes. Yeah. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't yeah. fancy using somebody else's bike, a bike I hadn't been on before. You'd never know where you'd get blisters and bumps and all that type of stuff. That's if you it. Were. I think you're kind of, yeah, that's it. You're kind of fitted on your own bike and more comfortable with it. You've trained on it. But there's, um, we've just after coming out of a mechanical, bike mechanical, bank bike rental um uh, marquee there and there's actually quite a lot renting bikes okay okay so it's done yeah yeah, yeah there's a lot of them doing it well do listen it. Yeah. good luck to you for your race i think you said saturday who else is there with you because i think there's a whole gang of you there isn't there there is and helen ryan is just here now so i'll pass you over to helen thanks okay, a million brilliant. thanks great to talk to you sharon hello hi helen how are you I'm good, thanks, and you? Listen, great to have you all take your time out of your serious prep. I mean, I had a vision of you all <laughs> sitting in ice baths somewhere trying to stay out of the heat and uh, get the We bodies. could do with an ice bath now. We could do with one. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you racing on Saturday as well? Uh, what sort of distance I'm are you I'm racing doing? Saturday. Yeah, I'm racing Saturday, fingers crossed, uh, the full distance. Uh, so this will be my second run. I did the full distance in Cork last year and dragged a few more with me back for, for another uh, go of it. So... And has Carlo yeah. has Carlo Triathlon Club ever been away before in such a big group for an event like this? No, no, they haven't. And travelling in numbers just makes it logistically so much easier, you know, even from kind of transport from the airport out to the, the town and um, booking accommodation and everything. It's been it's been a, a very easy process when there's when there's a group of us, you know. It's it's harder to do these things kind of on your own or or even with two people. So we're very lucky to have the support of the club, yeah. Yeah, more fun as well that way. Well, listen, it sounds like you're all having great crack. And now, obviously, um, taking on an Ironman is a serious endeavour, for sure. And you'll all get your game faces on as the weekend approaches and your events um, come nearer. How's the food been? I was asking earlier on, um, I was asking Lara how the food's been. You enjoying it? Lots of pizza and pasta. So, yeah, we're, there's no fear of us on the food front. Uh, loads of choice. Uh, so we're carb loading now for, oh, for the s- next few days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to know what you've been washing all the pizza and pasta down with, but sir. Just water, just water now. But wait until Saturday night and we'll have to sample some of the local uh, the local beers they look good so we have we haven't tasted them yet but wait till Saturday night and yeah. we'll, we'll give one a go anyway and I tell you there's a couple of red wines up around that area as well are absolutely fantastic yeah, absolutely, and cheap yeah. as chips so listen <laughs> uh, to everybody taking part in that triathlon in Chervia this weekend um, all the members of Carlo Triathlon Club out there pass them all our good regards on we couldn't get to speak to them all this morning um, but we Thanks wish so them much. all well have a great couple of days in one of my favourite parts of the world Emilia Roman that was Helen Ryan along with Sharon and Brian and Lara all members of Carlo Triathlon Club uh, wish them well I don't think they're going to be particularly um, struggling over the next few days maybe the heat for the four or five hours of the event but I'm sure by the sounds of it they'll manage to uh, chill out and cool off just afterwards KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style see fairgreen.ie 
KCLR. You're welcome back. From one physical endeavour, the people of Carlo Triathlon Club competing in Chervia in Italy, to other because KCLR's very own London correspondent, we'll call him, in the wake of Taylor Swift having her own correspondent, John Nolan, been on to us this morning to ask if we'd give a big shout out to his buddy, Bob Monaghan from Bagnallstown. Now, along with Jess Josie Brennan, um, they're tackling Mount Errigal, the highest peak in Donegal this morning. And apparently, when they're done, that means they'll have done the lot of them across Ireland, apparently. One in every county. Uh, he got his map out, apparently, one day. He stuck a pin in everyone, and he's done them all so far. One hill to go. The hills of Donegal, Mount Errigal. Well, congratulations to you both. Uh, I know you haven't quite done it yet. To John Nolan, thanks for letting us know about that. And maybe when they get down from the mountain, we might even get a chance to see which of the mountains around Ireland was their favourite. Our Errors to Protect series continues in a few moments' time. Ethna spoke to environmental educator Brendan McSorley of veryconnect.ie about his work in sustainability. But now, some you two with or without you. See the stone set in your eyes See the thorn Ask them you two, you can never need an excuse to play them. They're just worth playing with with or without you uh, this Thursday morning. It's it's brightening up out there. It's a bit pea soupy this morning when I was driving down. Weather looking a little bit better. It's definitely changed a bit in the last couple of days, but not too bad still for this time of year. Thursday mornings, um, not only have we rechristened Thursday and Neary Day, because she's in with us every Thursday, she'll be joining us a few moments' time. It's also the day when we do our Hours to Protect series. A series, Edna Quirk here is doing fantastic work every week, speaking to different people who are working in that sustainable environmental sphere. And this week, she spoke to environmental educator Brendan McSorley of veryconnect.e about his work in sustainable training. Hours to Protect, brought to you by KCLOR, the IBI, and funded by Commission Amman with a television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more information. I'm joined by Brendan McSorley. Brendan, is it fair to call you a climate educationalist? Yes, uh, uh, I suppose so. And that's kind of the main, the main thing that I do is going around the country and teaching about uh, different aspects of the environment and yeah just trying to raise awareness and get people um, have more knowledge more interest in their local community and local environment and i know one of the things that you're just coming from doing there is giving some educational talks to a local authorities yes that's right yeah i'm down here in um, ballincollig in cork at the moment and um, giving a course and then I'm doing giving the same course later on in the week in Kildare, teaching the local authorities about you know what what they can do and just the small things that they can do in their everyday activities to try and help the environment and go towards a greener future that we're all you know we're all actively trying to do. I think they're the people that are in the field at the moment, so it's a very important group to be talking to at the moment. So the people that can affect change at a local level. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking to a lot of people that are maintaining roads or maintaining houses and, and things like that, and they have a lot of say in the way that things are done and the way that things are maintained. So I think they're the right people to talk to in terms of actually enacting change and, and the very the basic level. Tell me a little bit about your background then. I studied biomedical and biological science at Munich University uh, for four years and then went on to do 
a master's in environmental science in UCC, specialising in water quality and citizen science in water quality. And while I was there, I started working with the company that I'm with at the moment called Very Connect. They um, specialise in training courses in, in kind of everything biological, everything environmental. And yeah, so I started working with a project called the Nor Vision was the first one. And they actually helped me um, finish my, my master's was on uh, citizen science stream index, the CSSI, which is basically a biomonitoring in- index to monitor the local waterways and the water quality of all our local rivers. Uh, so yeah, I started off with that with Norvision and I've worked with a lot of different initiatives now, like Wildworks was another big one that I worked with. And yeah, lots of them. I'm very lucky that I got into the training company and I've kind of got a lot of hands-on in action with training people on you know, very interesting things that I'm very passionate about. There's been a huge push in recent times, hasn't there? And it's probably something that you've borne witness to with a, an extensive background in environmental science. That push towards us and education that we really need to do something to help protect our planet. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And it's, it's great to see as well. I think especially in the last couple of years, it's a very interesting time to be alive. It's kind of the pivotal moment. Everybody, whether from the top to bottom, to the bottom, whether it's the government or or even in the private sector, everyone's realising the effects that climate change is ha- having at the moment. And because of that, the, there's new technologies coming, but also yeah, we have awareness, like you're saying. A lot of a lot of courses I will be teaching about is about raising awareness, but it's also about what we can actually actively do in our local um, our local environment. And there's loads of things that we can do. You know, there's, there's a lot of really really good initiatives. It's great to see it, and I suppose I'm very lucky that I'm in you know in this sphere. I've, I've had a passion for it all this, and you know now that I grew up and I've kind of pursued it in, in college, it's kind of coming to fruition. And I just I suppose I'm, I'm lucky that that I was able to do it and had the opportunities to, to study and, and to teach. What would be your take-home message for people when you're trying to create that sense of awareness or sense of, I suppose, connection with climate action? I think, uh, yeah, the take-home message is every small thing counts. There's a a lovely phrase my father all said now was, it's better to light one small candle than to sit cursing the dark. It's basically, you know, doing one small thing can make a massive difference. There's 8 billion people in the world. And if you can do one small thing, you know, that's eight billion small things is a huge thing. Whether that's, you know, changing your gardens into a wildflower meadow or if it's, you know, having a little bug hotel at the back or if it's just picking up litter or learning about water quality or about biodiversity. There's lots of tiny, tiny things that we can do. Even things like installing bird boxes is another big one. Any small thing really matters. And it's, it's about trying to get everybody to go out and do one or two small things. And if we all do that, that's a huge thing. That's really lovely because I think sometimes the individual gets lost in the magnitude of the masses maybe. Yeah definitely I mean there's a lot of doom and gloom and there's a lot of figures coming out that make it look as if there's nothing we can do but the reality is we have a choice we have a choice to make this Uh, we can either sit and do nothing like I said we can sit cursing the dark or we can do a small thing even a small thing can have kind of massive impacts we're already seeing, you know, some of the impacts. And it's, it's beautiful when you're driving along the roads and you see the wildfire meadows coming up. There's a great website called Say It, See It, or See It, Say It, sorry. And you can report things, you know, and if there's pollution inputs in a river. There's lots of small things. It's That's what you have to do when you see these negative things rather than kind of putting their head in the sand. It's let's go out and let's try and do something. And I think that's kind of the message that we're trying to get because it is very scary compared to time the, some of the some of the information and, and also the increasing regularity of these extreme weather events that we're seeing more often but it's better to try and do something new. So you're quite optimistic then about the future? I am, yeah. It's what's the other option, you know. There's no point in pessimism and saying 
saying everything's not going to be any good or it's only going to get worse, which it may do. It doesn't help anyone, you know, so it's trying to go out there and, and help try to see a positive a positive outcome. You know, it's little things like I was talking about the wildfire meadows. We started having them in our back garden and already we're seeing a difference. And seeing them differences would make you optimistic. Lovely. That. If people want to find out more information about the work that you do or how to get involved with getting you into their business or their local authority for a chat, where should they find you? Uh, I suppose the company I work for is called Very Connect. Uh, Very Connect IE, and there's contact numbers there and it's a training company and so we're trying our best to train as much as we can. On top of that, you know, there's different companies that, that have kind of been involved with too. There's great initiatives like like Wildworks in the Northern and lots of other things. But very connected. Simple By the way, V E R I Connect. V E R I Connect. Lovely. It's great. Great that you know the videos are taking taking an interest in it as well. The more the more we can do and the more awareness that we can have, the, the kind of the more effect we can have and everything. And it's just trying to get involved with um, with these things is, is the important thing that we all all need to try to do. Ours to protect is funded by Commission Oman with a television license fee and is a partnership between KCLR and the Independent Broadcasters of Ireland. Check out ourstoprotect.ie for more information. And don't forget our Ours to Protect series continues every Thursday here in KCLR. You can check out all of the episodes so far on Ours to Protect. Dot IE, where you'll also find the weekly tip sheet for all the information about the weekly topics and the climate action initiatives all available on Ares to Protect dot IE. Um, not too long until we've... Uh, Anne Neary's in studio. Good morning, Anne. Morning, Brian. I don't know whether you heard it already, but I've already christened Thursday or rechristened Thursday Anne Neary Day. I have all morning. I've been calling it and nearly day. Thank you very much. And the days I'm off then, what happened? Oh, I don't know. And don't be don't be turning it into our problems. We'll get to that in a moment. It is and nearly day, and and nearly will be with us just after this short break. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. You're very welcome back. It's 0833069696. If you have any questions for the lady that has joined me in studio, Anne Neary is here. Good morning, Anne. Well, good morning, Brian. I'm fresh and good. Back after my lovely week in Lanzarote. Oh, twice a day. Well, how's the, how, how, how are the tan lines, Anne? Very good. Are they? Very good. You can show me later on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's wondering how, how do you pronounce enchiladas oh. or enchiladas or whatever. It's like pecan. <laughs> Is it pecan or pecan? I would say pecan. Yeah, well, there you go. I was watching a programme from America there recently and they call them the pecans. Oh, very good. Mm, and you go. see, we've even had this conversation quite recently because I call them tomatoes. Tomatoes. <laughs> and you go, tomatoes. <laughs> tomatoes. Tomatoes, tomatoes, tomatoes potatoes, potatoes. Yeah. But we won't call the whole thing off, and that's for okay. sure. Perfect. But listen, we're talking Mexican food today. Yes. Okay. Mix, bake, Mix and bake enchiladas. In, in, in enchiladas? Enchiladas. Enchil- well, it's E-N is in, isn't it? Listen, I suppose, yeah, enchiladas. H-I is chill. Yeah. L-A-D. Lad as. I'll go with you. Enchiladas. Enchiladas. Listen, Mexican food. 
Isn't it all just the same stuff folded differently? You've got a bit of spicy mince, a bit of sour cream, a bit of guacamole, some salsa, some veg, and you just fold it differently to turn it into tacos or enchiladas or burritos or fajitas yeah, or whatever you have. but you, you do, but you don't have to use mince for everything. You can use chicken or oh. you can use beef or you can... Yes, there are a lot of other... You're only looking at the ordinary common Garner one. You're not looking at the bigger picture. That's so all, that, that sort yeah, of sums yeah. me up and common Garden. <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll tell you a little story later on, but go on, anyway. Yeah. Go on okay. with your mixed bake okay. and mix so and bake enchiladas. Look at, I'm always been stopped on the street and say, look at you don't give enough of uh, vegetarian food uh, recipes. So here today, I did one I think about three weeks ago as well. A couple of tablespoons of olive oil, uh, two red onions, cut them into two wedges, a bag of peppers. There's about three in a bag, or else get three separate ones, whichever you like. You cut those and you deceive them and you slice them very thinly. You have a red chilli, half de-seeded and finely chopped. Make sure you take out the seeds because the seeds are the really hot piece in it. A can of chopped tomatoes, a pack of fresh coriander, eight medium-sized flour tortellas, six ounces of cheddar cheese, white in preference to red, and then 200 ml of full fat creme fraiche. And to finish off, you need a can of spicy refried beans. And you'll get those in any of the supermarkets, the refried beans. They're, they're actually quite common. You'll see them sort yeah. of there. Okay. The oven temperature is 190 or uh, in Anne it's 170. So basically what you're going to do, you're going to heat the oil in a large frying pan. You're going to add the onions, the peppers and half the chilies, and then cook for about five to eight minutes and then stirring until the peppers are almost tender and then add the tomatoes. The tomatoes is, is going in in the end because I don't want them. I want the peppers to cook down and then I'm going to uh, uh, and then half the chopped coriander and I'm going to simmer it up for two or three minutes or whatever, whatever it is. And then you're going to lay the tortillas on a work surf- sur- surface it's uh, kind of lay them in, in, in sort of a line along uh, and then get out a large shallow um, roasting tin or heat proof dish or whatever you have that sort of, I, I, I like one so a roundy one or a rectangle one a rectangle one, one. Yes, yeah. like, like, the, like the page here and then um, and then uh, chop a third of the cheese into chunks and set aside and then grate the rest of the cheese and mix with the creme fraiche and the remaining coriander and chilli and then spoon the mixture onto the tortillas uh, top with a spoon of refried beans and some diced cheese and you're going to continue all that until it's all done you want to put them in you're going to, they'll sit side by side okay. all along so then we're going to come along and we're going to put the uh, creme fraiche over it okay yeah. instead of sort of and the creme fraiche is, is you can what's the difference between creme fraiche and sour cream Are yeah, they well it, it's it's the same sour cream has a higher fat, fat content oh that's my problem <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 46 and 28 or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my problem then, sour cream. That is it. All right, I'll go with creme fraiche well, from I now get, on then, I'm sorry. Yeah, but you will get a full fat creme fraiche as well, sort of, and I think that's around 48 as well. And then, um, you know, spread that over and put it in the oven for 25, 30 minutes until bubbling and golden and serve each tortilla with, uh, in half with a simple salad. So basically, you take out the tortilla, cut it aside, serve a salad with it. And what's really nice as well at this time of the year is a baked potato. Oh, yeah. So if you, when you have your oven on, stick your baked potatoes into it. And if you have a microwave, start them in the microwave and then put them in the oven. Now, I'm not a microwave fan. Don't own one or nothing like that. But having said that, they are handy at times. Yeah. Now, I mean, Mexican food, I mean, God, when I was a kid, you wouldn't. The only fella you'd seen eat Mexican food probably had a sombrero on. Um, yeah. But it's it, it. Kids love it as well because it's fun, isn't it? It is fun. It is fun. And the thing is that if if you don't want to put the peppers on the, uh, into that there and the red chili, you can actually use some mince and or what else? Uh, like even 
chili when I'm making chili con carne, I don't use mince. I use steak pieces. Mm. And it's much nicer. So it's not all about it's not all about mince, yeah. even though there's a lot of and for children in particular they like mince. The other thing what you could do with this as well, if you want to do if they were into fish. So basically try them out something with salmon or cod or something that's sort of like that in the beginning. And then maybe if you want to go prawns and all that type of thing afterwards. But what you could do is you just could uh, put your uh, make the sauce the, there omitting the peppers basically with the red sauce and then just cut your fish into pieces and just lay them into it and yeah. then you spoon it so it's not overdone then you put it in the oven and you can finish it sort of my wife there. got um, uh, fish enchiladas one time and they had like little cod breaded cod goujon yes. type things in them absolutely yes. yes. have you been to Mexico Anne? I haven't been to Mexico hold no. on hold on hold on. I've been we, to we, South America we found a place in the world that Anne hasn't <laughs> been to what did you do in Mexico that they won't let you in Anne? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good question. Actually, um, I suppose, uh, you know, uh, I, I, re- I remember my youngest daughter going to work in uh, on the uh, east coast, on the west coast of America over in Santa Monica there. And she had, she was on a J1, decided they'd hire a car, a big bus thing and they would drive down to Mexico. And this one is only 20, 21 years of age and there's about five more with them. Six of them are going it. And I said to her, oh, Jesus, let somebody else drive. Oh, I couldn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't even chance letting them drive. I'll drive myself. So she got the bus two days beforehand, drove around the place and went into Mexico. My husband was saying, do not take that over the border into it. But they did. <laughs> and they came out the other I side. I wonder where she got her adventurous nature <laughs> from. Know, yeah, they didn't. There's she an didn't. old expression, Anne. She didn't lick it yeah. off the stones. The, she certainly <laughs> didn't, yeah. But you're looking, I always, say every time I go away to another country I remember one of the first places I started going was China and coming back and then walking into Ireland saying don't we live in an amazing country mm. and we do yeah. you know we don't realise how good it actually is right? and how lucky we are I mean I, when you think of all those natural disasters that yes. we've seen over the last yeah. 12 months yeah. and even though climate change is obviously having a huge effect globally it's affecting yeah. us here as well thank God God, we're not at a stage where we're dealing with those wildfires and flash floods that are people well, in other parts of the world. It. This is it. This is it. And I mean, and anything can erupt at any t- t- yeah. situation in any of those countries where we don't have any of that volcanic stuff sort yeah, of here. I on. think we don't anyway. Maybe yeah. some people going to come on there in a few minutes. Well, Mexico is on, on your um, wish list. You've still <laughs> got to go and do I know. Actually, do you know who you should speak to? John Keane, he's up after 12 o'clock. He loves Mexico. He's oh, been a couple he of times. He's he been has. a couple of times. So he's going to speak to John. Listen, and will you be able to stay with me for a couple of yeah, minutes? Because no I, I tell you what, I'm going to play a little piece of music after that. We'll take a short break. But I've done something in the last 24 hours. And I want you to tell me whether you think I'm mad or whether it was a sensible idea or what the story is. I'll tell you about what I've done um, after this piece of music, Roy Orbison. It is. You got it. Every time I look. Roy Orbison with you got it we all know Anne Neary's got it she's still here because after this break I'll be letting her in on the decision that I made over the last 24, 48 hours and she'll be telling me whether I'm mad or not KCL or live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card the perfect gift for all occasions see fairgreen.ie KCLR KCLR 
You're very welcome back to the show this morning. It's coming up towards 12 o'clock, but I've just got enough time left to ask Anne Neary if I'm mad or not. So, Anne, um, my dad, I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. He's fond of growing a few veg in his back garden, and we were over giving him a hand and checking in the other day and talking about the veg. And I said, Dad, actually, funny enough, when I was driving over here today, I spotted a place down the road, and they've got allotments. I said, oh, he was like, oh, I'll go and check it out. Well... Myself and my dad are now the co-owners, co-renters of an allotment. 18 metres by 9 metres. Am I mad? No, we know you're mad, but in the meantime, no, you're not mad about the allotment. Look, at uh, there's a friend of mine and she has an allotment and she would swear by it. And she absolutely loved it. And even to the fact that she would even grow things like she last year she had big pots. She put her potatoes in them down there and got them going. And then she took them up to her own house and they were all pots of potatoes. I did some myself as well. And there you go, you have you go and you pick up a bunch of potatoes for your dinner or whatever it was. And I mean, you can grow your herbs down there, which would be absolutely fabulous. You can do. You now can, can can put down your your Brussels sprouts for the winter. Yeah. So you you'll have those. You put them there now. Could you? I think. Yeah. I think you can. Maybe maybe you're a bit late, but I mean you get. Well, that's all, you, I'm always a bit and late. And then you can put down uh, leeks as well. I think actually go down this. You can put down winter cabbage. That's yeah. That there as well. And then there's a winter broccoli as well. That purple sprout and broccoli. You can actually. Do you know what amazed there. me? Right. So 18 meters of land. 18 by nine. It's like it's twice I've only got a small little back garden a normal urban house it's probably two to three times the size of my back garden you know how much your man wanted for the year 300 euros oh for god's sake you wouldn't Tr- give it to a child to keep him crying no <laughs> yeah, well, you mightn't I probably would I don't mean that literally <laughs> but, so I mean my dad's pretty good at all that type of stuff I haven't got a clue so I'm going to be spending a lot of time at the ploughing championships next week because i got to start paying attention to this well, type of stuff you, yeah you better and there's always people to give you advice and listen Sure, look up online. Everything is online today. Yeah, can tell you yeah. what to grow, what not to grow. Or maybe YouTube, I'm, I'm sure, has loads of stuff. I Educate us all. Educate Education, us all. so you don't have to go to any college. You just look at <laughs> and there you are. I, and there, then the only thing is you need a bit of paper that you won't get offline. Get college oh, yeah. And, and, and Neary's educational advice. Don't worry yeah. about college. YouTube is there to sort it all out. <laughs> uh, but yes, and so I, I've got to start doing a little bit of research on what I've got to put down. And I, then the other thing crossed mind I was like oh no Dance with the Stars is back in January February or March I don't have a day off for three months as it stands <laughs> but maybe uh, maybe my uh, escape up to the allotment might be the place well, to go yeah, well you see January February anyway, there's not going to be much going on in your garden sort of now you can get winter parsley as well that you can sort mm. of grow you could put down uh, rosemary last the whole year around you'll actually have it you'll always have rosemary sort of out Fennel bulbs, believe it or not, my fennel nearly grows all year round, even though I have it grown outside. Because what I actually do is, in the winter time, I have um, <laughs> I have this bunch of fennel grown, and I have kind of a plastic, uh, a see-through plastic bucket, if you call it that. Right. And I just put it down over it in the real hard weather, and then it keeps on sort of like a mini greenhouse for it, really more yeah, than anything else. Yeah, the interest. I'm sure there's lots of people out there that have yeah, grown their own yeah. veg and, and stuff listen, like that. Before you do, I actually was saying to you, like we had the best crop of um, figs this year. I had, and uh, would you believe, because they were down below Rylands and I had moved up, I had forgotten about them. Is there anybody out there that can tell me, the tree is about eight years old. Can I dig it up in September, October and bring it up 
to the house. That's just what I want to Is do. that a fig tree, do you say? A fig tree, yeah. A fig tree. So Anne Neary wants to know, yeah. <laughs> can anybody dig up, a, can you dig up a fig tree in September, October and move up nearer to the house? Text us on WhatsApp. That's, 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 that's eight years old. Okay, so it's eight years old. So it's decent enough size. Yeah. She might want yeah. a bit of muscle to go along and help her well, dig it up that, as well. It, even at that, would I kill it or would I cure it? Yeah, yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. find out. 0833069696. Some texts that we had in, uh, people talking about the situation in RTE breaking on that yesterday. yesterday. Oh, yeah. uh, people saying, Brian Dobson has the best job in radio and TV. Well, I don't think he does. I think I've got the best job in radio and TV because he doesn't have Andy on the show. <laughs> um, talking about the Carlo Triathlon Club heading out to Italy for oh, that listen, Iron Man. Listen. Should it be called an Iron Person event? Yeah. Ask this texter yeah. on. Uh, yeah, interesting. But sure, look, it's all him, her, is why. That, I mean, it, am I to call you him or her or Emma? Oh, that's a conversation for another, another day. day. So but, there you go. But we're going up to the ploughing next week. I mean, yeah. some people saying that the ploughing's getting a bit like the GA, where price has been too expensive. Texting me and thanks as always for all those text messages. I was there for the first time last year. What an event! Oh, it's an amazing event. Yes, it's huge. And but the thing about it is, see, what's kind of coming on now and it's taken. I won't say taken over. But remember, we were down Piltown last week. Yeah. And uh, Piltown is absolutely amazing. And there are several Tullamore, all of those. They're all now biting in a bit on the on the ploughing as well because mm. they all have their and it's more local. But Anna Mae McHugh, look at she is a star of stars, and her daughter now has taken over as well. And I've met her on several occasions because Edward Hayden and her have a great rapport, the two of them together. But um, yes, yeah, she she she's just something else. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, we'll be up there all next week. Yeah. Myself, I John Keane. Well, we should be checking in. We have to be because Thursday, forevermore, she'll be known. <laughs> as Anne Neary Day. Anne Neary, is always a pleasure having you in studio. Thanks for joining us this morning. If you're looking to come and find us at the Plough next week, I can tell you where we'll be. Yeah, we're going to be in Block 2, Row 37, Stand 555. And write it down, because next Thursday, even though we're at the Ploughing, it will still be Anne Neary Day. Um, thanks to all of our guests this morning, everybody we were talking to from all over the world, from Chervia in Italy to new train services coming to Carlo and everything in beside. I hope you enjoyed everything this morning. John Keane is up after the news at 12 with four hours of great music and entertainment to get you through the afternoon he's actually on an outside broadcast I believe today so it'll be interesting yeah yeah. they're all out there they're all out there Um, and thanks very much I'll talk to you again tomorrow take care enjoy the rest of your afternoon KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state of the art IMC cinema see fairgreen.ie